Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison, on Island Radio, KISL Avalon at 88.7 on your FM dial and at KISLAvalon.com on your internet dial. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this week's show, we'll do some wondering, yearning, and craving, but we'll take time to stop and smell the blossoms. Back in 1914, the recording industry was controlled almost exclusively by the big three, Victor, Edison, and Columbia, and most records sold for 75 cents to a dollar, equivalent to about $29.34 today, meaning that records were out of reach for many people. That is until Henry Watterson brought to market Little Wonder Records. Watterson was Irving Berlin's business partner and president of music publishing company Watterson, Berlin & Snyder. Little Wonder Records were single-sided and five and a half inches in diameter, as opposed to the standard double-sided 7- and 10-inch records from the Big Three. Of course, that meant a compromise in the quality and length of the recordings, between 1 and 2 minutes, as opposed to 2 and 3 minutes on the major label discs. Many of the tunes were the same, though, and even by the same artists, although not identified on the labels. They had one big advantage, however. In most of the country, they cost only 10 cents. They were sold in five-and-dime stores and were phenomenally successful until 1923, when they were no longer being made, probably due to the bankruptcy of Columbia, who manufactured them. There's far more to the story of Little Wonder Records than I can impart here, but fortunately there's a detailed history of the label on a website dedicated exclusively to Little Wonder Records, and it's easily remembered. LittleWonderRecords.com I encourage you to visit read the rest of the story, and sign the guest book on the website. You might even let them know you heard about the site on Rapidly Rotating Records. And because they're half the length of regular 10-inch records, here are not three, but six Rapidly Rotating Little Wonder Records. And a girl I knew One who promised she would wait And that she'd ever be true Since I've gone out, her teeth wet Didn't mean a word she said Oh, but how my poor heart bled but what's a fella to do? Gone are the days That I spent to wheel Carolina She had the sunshine in her laughter Just like the state they named her after Gone are the days, the very days I'm dreaming of, and still I seem to hear her say, 
be back. We shall be back. Back to the Carolina. Thank you. 
the Johnny Brown never wears a frown when you say the country's going dry. All this fuller hair, Johnny doesn't care. He's got everybody guessing why. When I said how quiet things would be, Johnny said perhaps, but not for me. Oh, you don't need the wine to have a wonderful time while they still make those beautiful girls. Adam and Eve never taste the champagne till they were able to go out and retain for a sweet little miss who knows the right way to kiss. She can set any brain in a world. Everybody's feeling bad cause liquor must go. But you can always get yourself a little old crow. So you don't need the wine to have a wonderful time. While they still make those beautiful girls. Lots of people like a cordial after dessert. But give me something cordial that is wrapped in a skirt. So you don't need the wine to have a wonderful time while they still make those beautiful girls. We started that Little Wonder set with Back to the Carolina You Love. Little Wonder 20, credited to baritone. In fact, Al Jolson singing the Grant Clark lyrics to Gene Schwartz's tune. Next was Pass the Pickles from Little Wonder 37. Pass the Pickles was written by ragtime and popular song composer Grace LeBoy. She may not be as well known as her lyricist husband, Gus Kahn, but she'll be getting her own birthday segment in September. I saw the title of Little Wonder 164 and knew I had to play it. He owes me $97. Unfortunately, I couldn't find the composer, but it could be the unidentified tenor on the label, Maurice Burkhart. Burkhart was a vaudevillian and made lots of recordings and even wrote the words to that Carolina rag. So I'm trying to find his birthday for a segment, which you'll get even if I can't find it. Maurice Burkhart was followed by a banjo solo, probably by Fred Van Epps, of the Broadway Chicken Walk from Little Wonder 568. Complete with sound effects, Broadway Chicken Walk was composed by Irving Berlin for the show The Century Girl, which opened at the Century Theater on November 6, 1916, and ran for 200 performances. 
Next was Jack Kaufman reminding us that you don't need the wine to have a wonderful time. Well, that may be technically true, Jack, but it certainly enhances it. That's from Little Wonder 1293. And we finished up that sextet of Little Wonder Records with number 1598, Cutie. Cutie was written by Rudolf Firmel for the show The Blue Kitten, which opened at the Selwyn Theater on January 13, 1922, and closed at the Earl Carroll Theater on May 13th after a combined total of 140 performances. Be sure to check out littlewonderrecords.com. I'm Glenn Robison, and you and I are listening to Rapidly Rotating Records, bringing you vintage music to which you can't not tap your toes from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s. That last segment was all about Little Wonder Records. Well, gee, I wonder what this next segment could be about.
He sang it in the 1934 film of the same name, but there you have the commercial recording of Wonder Bar by Dick Powell, backed by Ted Fiorito and his orchestra. That's from Brunswick 6792, made March 15, 1934. Al Dubin wrote the words and Harry Warren the music. Before that, Ben Pollock's orchestra, credited as the New Orleans Ramblers, with Ben himself taking the vocal honors, on No Wonder I'm Blue. This No Wonder I'm Blue was written by Oscar Hammerstein II and Louis Alter, and is not to be confused with the 1920 No Wonder I'm Blue, composed by Fred Allert, with the words by Sam M. Lewis and Joe Young. Bob Herring was the recording director at Brunswick at the time of this recording, February 19, 1931, released on Melatone M12133. We started this wonderful set with an unidentified vocal trio backed by Paul Specht and his orchestra, wondering how it feels to be head over heels in love. Al Lewis and Al Sherman wrote I Wonder How It Feels to Be Head Over Heels in Love, and that recording was made July 10, 1930, issued on Columbia 2264-D. Episode number 40 of Seinfeld was originally aired May 6, 1992, and is titled The Keys, but there's a scene in the coffee shop where Kramer sits down next to George and asks, Do you yearn? You'll find out George's answer in the next segment, but for now we're going to do some yearning of our own. Here's Roger Wolf Kahn.
C. Cobb and his Grains of Corn with Yearning and Blue, written by Lloyd Smith. The only other tune I could find by Lloyd Smith was I'm Going Away to Wear You Off My Mind. This recording was made August 21, 1928, issued on Vocalion 1204. Before that, Preston Jackson and his Uptown Band were Yearning for Mandalay on Paramount 12411, recorded in Chicago around July of 1926. Yearning for Mandalay was written by Sheikh Taylor. Mandalay was a popular subject at the time, as evidenced by the oft-recorded Mandalay, On the Road to Mandalay, and Rose of Mandalay, and sheet music from Mandalay, Isle of the Thousand Palms, and In Mandalay with My Fair Lady. We started Yearning with Roger Wolf Kahn and his Hotel Biltmore Orchestra and Yearning Just for You, written by Benny Davis and Joe Burke. That's take two from March 10, 1925, issued on Victor 19616, and the vocalist was Elliot Shaw. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. We're here each and every Sunday evening at 6 on Island Radio, FM 88.7, KISL Avalon, and KISLAvalon.com. This and all our previous shows are also available 24-7 on demand anytime at all online at rapidlyrotatingrecords.com. And we're on all the major podcast directories. Last segment was about yearning, and in answer to Kramer's question, do you yearn, George replies, no, not really. I crave. I crave all the time, constantly craving. So, yes, you guessed it. This segment is all about craving. Here's Clayton F. Fatty's Roycroft Orchestra. Thank you. 
You know there's something I crave. Yeah. Now pick me taking the day to day. Something I do crave. Now pick me taking the day to day. Something I do crave. Look down that road for it I could see. The boys had my woman and the blues had me. Pick me day taking the day to day. Something I do crave. I mean it. Something I do crave. Yeah. Something I do crave. Now pick me taking the day to day. Something I do crave. Ash the edges and sand the sand. Show me woman ain't got a bag of man. Pick me just taking the day to day. Something I do crave. Oh, I can relate. Blind boy fuller and I crave my pig meat. I respect those of you out there who engage in a plant-based diet. But to use Ron Reagan's adjective, I'm an unabashed carnivore. Just last Thursday, I made a pork roast, slathered with molasses, and bathing in a tub of root beer, and smoked it for six hours before shredding it for pulled pork sandwiches with Rita's homemade southern coleslaw. But I digress. Blind Boy Fuller was the pseudonym of Fulton Allen, well-known around Durham, North Carolina in the 30s, for his intricate finger-picking technique on guitar. He was accompanied on washboard by George Washington. Not that one, the other one, the percussionist known as Bull City Red. They made that record in Memphis, Tennessee on July 12, 1939, and it was issued on Vocalion 5324. Before Blind Boy Fuller, we heard Lillian Glynn. That's right, she had a birthday segment a couple of months ago. This time we heard her December 6, 1929 recording in Dallas, Texas of her own composition, Cravin' a Man Blues. Both takes one and two were issued on Columbia 14519D. We started that craving set with Clayton F. Fatty's Roycroft Orchestra with one of only four sides the group made. That was Craving, written by Ben Burney, Philip Cherig, and Kenneth Casey. That's from a private pressing made by OK and has what appears to be a regular OK red label, but the only numbering on the label says Fatty Record 2-A, with 2-A engraved in the runout. It was recorded in Buffalo, New York, I believe around 1926. I'm not going to share what little information I have about Clayton Fatty, at least not right now. With any luck, you'll be hearing their other three sides in a birthday segment for Clayton Fatty next month. Last week, you heard Pedal Your Blues Away by Earl Rouse and his brothers. One of Earl's eight brothers was Irvin Rouse. You've probably never heard of him before, but it's a safe bet you've heard this tune he wrote. Oi! I'll 
blossom of buttercup lane And I was your little boy blue We roamed in the roses and danced in the rain And I was so happy with you Remember our first little lesson in love I gave you a kiss for each star up above When you were the blossom of buttercup lane And I was your little boy blue When You Were the Blossom of Buttercup Lane and I Was Your Little Boy Blue. George W. Meyer wrote the music with the words by Al Dubin and Alfred Bryan. I've played it by Ted Weems, and it was also recorded by the Troubadours, Nick Lucas and his crooning Troubadours, as well as Sam Lennon, Art Kahn, and Fred Rich. We heard it by Mickey's Nightbirds, one of a number of pseudonyms such as the Memphis Melody Makers and Roy King and his Manhattans, on the British Pan label for Milt Shaw's Detroiters. Pan 78, number 25030, is a British pressing of the January 21, 1931 Warner Brunswick recording issued on Melotone 12088. Before that, pianist Billy Merrill with his piano solo, Orange Blossom, subtitled A Syncopated Impression. That's from British Columbia CA-16789, recorded May 1st, 1936, in London. We started with the Rouse Brothers, Irvin and Jack on fiddle and Gordon on guitar, with Orange Blossom Special, the unofficial anthem of bluegrass. Irvin came up with the tune around 1936 and played it on stage, but didn't have a title for it, referring to the tune as a little bit crazy. Audiences loved the train sounds in it, so the brothers' manager, Lloyd Smith, decided to make it a real railroad tune and copyrighted it as Orange Blossom Special 
for the Seaboard Airline Railroad's new New York to Miami passenger service. The Rouse brothers were booked at the Miami Railroad station for the christening of the new train, with a crowd of railroad fans, prominent citizens, and government officials present. Just one problem, Irvin later found out that Smith had copyrighted the tune in his name, and all the royalties were going to him. It took Irvin Rouse more than a year-long legal fight, but he eventually was able to have Smith's name removed from the copyright and won the right to all future royalties. It was at that point that Irvin wrote the lyric we heard the brothers sing. It was first recorded by Roy Hall and his Blue Ridge Entertainers on November 7, 1938, and on March 8, 1939 by Walter Hurd and his Singing Cowboys, but we heard the Rouse Brothers' June 14, 1939 recording, made in New York City, issued on Bluebird B8218 and Montgomery Ward M8490. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. If you had half as much fun as I did, then I had twice as much fun as you. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week. And as always, I thank you for your very kind attention. Thank you.